Hello there, welcome back. It's great to see you again. This is the MLEX podcast, your home of regulatory affairs. Every week we chat with members of our team of reporters as they roam the corridors of power in the world's capitals. I'm your host, James Paniki, Senior Editor with MLEX's Asia Bureau, coming to you from the LexisNexis offices in Melbourne, Australia. It's great to be in your feed midweek this time for an additional instalment ahead of the Northern Hemisphere's summer break. And we return to Europe for what has become a favourite topic of this podcast, state subsidies. However, we're coming into the discussion from the perspective of a new power that has been awarded to the European Commission, a power to police subsidies that are handed out by foreign governments. What does that mean? Well, when an EU-based company is competing against a foreign company for, say, a tender, if the foreign company has benefited from state subsidies, that will be taken into account. Now, on paper, this makes perfect sense. It's all about achieving a level playing field. But in practice, working out what subsidies a company may have benefited from could prove to be an uphill battle. Our Brussels team has been grappling with this very issue for some time now, and two members of that team join us today. Natalie McNeilis is a senior reporter covering M&A. Lewis Crofts is our editor-at-large. Uh, Natalie, starting from you, firstly, tell us all about what the FSR, so the Foreign Subsidies Regulation, is all about. Hello, James. Thanks very much for having me. I would like to give you just a little bit of background. I think it's good to go back and think about where did this whole foreign subsidies regulation come from. And I think it's it comes from a long-standing frustration on the part of Europeans that they have such strict state aid control inside the EU that it's really very difficult for a company to get money from any government in the EU without uh, without a lot of hoops to jump through and generally would not be approved. And so they say this has really been a, a sort of uh, a thorn in our side for years because our foreign uh, competitors are able to enjoy the largesse of their governments and that distorts competition. So that's the sort of background that's been sort of bubbling for years. And around the time of like the Alstom-Siemens merger and concerns about European competitiveness uh, in the international field, these concerns really started to get to a boiling point. In December of uh, 22, the uh, EU adopted the foreign subsidies regulation. This is a, a law which tries to get at that uh, at that unfairness and to level the playing field between the foreign companies that can can get uh, subsidies from their government and European companies. So Lewis, what uh, what does all of this mean? The commission has this new law now, uh, foreign subsidies regulation. It's it's up there, it's it's two big tools, the Digital Markets Act, which is the one which takes on big tech and the FSR, DMA and FSR, you know, remember your acronyms. And what it does is it says that if you are backed by a foreign government and you're doing business in Europe, and that could be bidding for to build the metro in Munich or you're bidding to uh, buy a company that's for sale in Belgium, then you have to disclose if you are backed in some way by a foreign subsidy. So I'll give you an example. There's a company for sale for one billion in Belgium. A French company bids one billion. 
but a Chinese company bids 1.2 billion. And perhaps that Chinese company can bid 1.2 billion because the extra two, the 0.2, is a subsidy from the Chinese government. So that's what it's meant to meant to catch there. The Chinese government or the Chinese company wins the day in the M&A race because it has uh, more backing from the Chinese government than the French company did from the French government. Or you, you know, imagine the same for building the, uh, the metro in, in, uh, in Bratislava and uh, you have a Chinese company and you have Siemens bidding for it. And uh, again, the Chinese company wins the day because it um, can offer a better price. And sometimes it might be a lower price, sometimes it might be a higher price, whatever. So what the demand is, is that these companies lay bare for the commission the uh, financial contributions is the word they use, which is basically a broader concept than subsidies, kind of any benefits that you get from a state. And problem is, if you're a large company or you're a private equity fund or if you're Siemens, for example, you're going to be active in probably 100 or more countries. You'll be paying, you know, you'll be getting tax breaks or you'll be paying, you know, energy bills or you'll be buying the usual products and services that you do in any of these countries. And some of those might involve a transaction with the state. Some of them you're getting a beneficial rate on your energy bill in Botswana. You know, uh, because the Botswana government wants you to have your factory there. And so it says, you know what, we'll give you a special rate to to power your factory. Um, And when this whole regulation started out, people were wondering, am I going to have to uh, lay bare every single one of these? Not that any of them are problematic, but just simply tracking them all down. If I uh, sold some pencils to a Turkish school, you know, state run school, that is a state benefit. So the problem is that you can have a very, very wide lens on these subsidies and just simply administratively as a company tracking them all down, let alone starting to work out which ones might have put you in a beneficial position for a, to build the Bratislava Metro or to bid for the Belgian company. It is a huge administrative task. Yeah, I think that what uh, that's important, what Lewis is, uh, is telling you is that when you talk about this foreign subsidies regulation, there's really two things that it focuses on. It's two problematic areas where they saw that there were distortions of competition. And one was in buying other companies. So they, they didn't like that foreign companies in particular were coming in and snapping up uh, European companies. And they felt that that was an unfair sort of thumb on the scale. They had a bit more money at their disposal and they could bid higher. And the same thing for public public procurement contracts that they said, you know, they're, they're outbidding us because they've got uh, deep pockets. And so those are the two main uh, focuses of the, of the FSR. But the problem is that you don't have to notify the commission because you've received money from a government. You have to notify the commission when you've done one of those two activities. You've made an you've made an acquisition of a particular size or you've bid for a public procurement contract that's of a particular size. But the problem is that you need to give information for the past three years. And that means that you have to have been collecting all that information all this time. And so in terms of the administrative burden, it's quite a big one. All right. So what we're really talking about is uh, the possibility of a lot of red tape resulting from this. Uh, This is uh, red tape for companies, but it's also an administrative burden for the commission, right? So has the commission done anything to address those concerns, Lewis? Uh, good question, James. Um, it's been, it's spent the last couple of months trying to calibrate exactly where 
that right level is of information, which both allows it to see the full picture inside the company, gives it the information it needs, but also the information, frankly, that the commission can can manage itself. It doesn't want to be uh, under some tsunami of submissions uh, and unable to uh, take any decisions because they're just leafing through thousands and thousands of pages of um, you know Botswana uh, energy bills. Um, to continue my, my, my analogy. Um, so the commission has been looking at what's called uh, the implementing regulation, which sets the detailed rules for what you, what subsidies or what financial contributions you have to disclose. And um, it's lifted some thresholds, it's changed the term, these kinds of things you don't have to share, anything over this sum you do have to share, and so on and so forth. And that has gone some way towards relieving the burden. And there are business groups uh, who, who have said as much. But the problem that they still have is what that implementing regulation does is it tells you the information that you need to pass to the commission and it reduces that information you need to pass to the commission. But if you're a company, you are still going to have to go through the process of looking at each and every one of these to work out whether they do or don't hit that that threshold. So your inter your external job towards the commission might be less. You have you know, uh, fewer bits of the form to fill out, but you're still going to have to go through a huge internal process of listing up each of these financial contributions and then going through with a red pen and going, ah, we need to tell them about that one, number 17, number 24, number 112. And so while the contribution has been lessened towards the, uh, the, the, the burden has been lessened towards the, the commission, you know, what I hear from lawyers and companies is the burden internally to do the prep work is still huge. And Natalie, what about the businesses? I mean, what about the, the companies that are affected by this? How are they likely to be responding to uh, to this prospect? Yeah, I think it's, you know, some of the we've been hearing from different companies who are telling us like what a what a nightmare this looks like. And it's it's um, in a sense, it's sort of amusing because this was meant to help European uh, companies to compete uh, against uh, foreign entities. I mean, but the foreign subsidies regulation is about companies that are installed, that are established in the EU. And so this obviously affects just your basic homegrown uh, European company. They have to do the same kind of reporting. And I think that uh, some of them didn't quite realize how much they had sort of bitten off when they asked for this uh, for this legislation. And I think that uh, one of the entity, the sort of group of companies that we've heard a lot from are private equity companies in particular who say, look, we have hundreds of portfolio companies. If we have to do this process for every acquisition that we make that's above the 500 million threshold, uh, this is a this is going to have to have a whole new department dedicated only to the foreign subsidies uh, regulation compliance program, and so that's one of the things that the commission did listen to, and uh, and ease a little bit when they when they came out with the implementing regulation that for these private equity companies they don't necessarily have to report every financial contribution that every single one of their portfolio companies uh, receive, but only the ones that are managed by the same fund manager. So you can see that in practical ways, the commission has tried to ease the burden. But I think that at this stage, I don't think anybody really knows um, what this piece of legislation, how it's going to work and where it's going to go. I think the, even the commission is saying, look, we're going to have to you know, see this case by case, and it's going to be an iterative process. 
Lewis, obviously the resources to be able to manage this kind of a system are going to have to come from somewhere. Is the Commission gearing up for what lies ahead? I mean, this has been the big question of the last year or two, is the European Commission's competition department has got two brand new bazookas. As I said at the beginning, the DMA, the Digital Markets Act, which takes on big tech, and the FSR, the Foreign Subsidies Regulation, which takes on, you know, Chinese-backed um, subsidies, both require huge amounts of staff. Um, the estimates are, you know, 80 to 100 for one and 140 for the other. Uh, these kinds of people don't grow on trees. These are difficult times to go and get money from the European budget. Um, the Commission uh, fought well and hard to get people for the DMA. Um, it is... Um, not been so successful with the FSR and that has had a lot of um, private practitioners and companies sort of wondering well you're asking us to do all this work uh, how can you prove to us that, any, that this stuff's going to get read when it lands on a desk in, in, in Brussels. The commission's been very very tight-lipped about that saying that it's working hard but there is evidently um, a sm only a small group of people working on this at present if you look at organograms and the rest of it. So what's the Commission done? Well, um, a couple of days ago, it launched a tender uh, worth 3 million euros, uh, one um, worth 1.2 and the other one worth 1.8, I think. And they are essentially for a bunch of uh, wonks, some external experts to help out with this, some to do the monitoring, to try to, you know, not just read the newspapers, but track down subsidies that are taking place outside the EU, places like, you know, Saudi Arabia or Russia or China, and then a bunch of uh, clever people to help with the enforcement. So that will go some way to uh, giving the Commission the capacity that it needs to handle this huge new instrument. OK, so this is clearly a significant new element that companies with EU-based branches in Europe have to take into account. It sounds like there are still many things that are not entirely clear that will only be worked out in practice over coming weeks and months. So we'll be counting on both of you in Europe and, and of course, uh, Tono Hill to keep us uh, posted on how things develop. Thank you both. Thanks, James. Thank you. Natalie McNeilis is MLEX's senior reporter covering M&A. Lewis Crofts is our editor-in-chief, and they were both speaking to us from Brussels. And the analysis of the FSR, written by Lewis and Tono Hill, is out from the paywall and ready for you to read and enjoy. Just head for our webpage, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. And click on the News Hub tab for all of the very best of MLEX's reporting and analysis. Now, we'll be back in your feed by the end of the week. I'll be speaking to our M&A team in Washington, D.C. about the new draft merger guidelines from the DOJ and the FTC. So plenty to talk about there. The podcast was produced and presented by me, James Paniki, published with the kind assistance of our no-nonsense marketing team in London. Richard Thompson is the podcast's executive producer. From all of us here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you very much for your company. I'll see you soon. Bye.